It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? It's a neighborly day in this beauty wood, a neighborly day for a beauty. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? I have always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you. So let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, we might as well say, Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? special day by just your being yourself there's nobody else in the whole wide world who's exactly like you and people can like you exactly as you are um welcome to blankets and boundaries being pleasant with your children who is the guide um the guide is duke novak yeah and who are you do you know who we're going to be talking about today? Uh, no. Mr. Rogers, oh, one of your favorites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there'll be an interview with you later on. Okay. And we're going to sing a duet together. How's that sound? Yeah, that sounds good. Okay. So why don't we get started? Yeah, sure. My name is Mr. Rogers. I'm glad that you are near. You've made this day a special day by just your being here. That was actually from the opening song of the Canadian show, Mr. Rogers, the precursor of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. But it's my pleasure to be talking about uh, Fred Rogers today and his television show and kind of explore and try to understand what was it about Mr. Rogers that made him so special? And what was it about Mr. Rogers that kids just flocked to him and just enjoyed his show uh, immensely? Uh, now, I've, I've got some theories. Um, Mr. Rogers is probably a, a, a master at working with toddlers um, and providing blankets for them and being present uh, with kids. Uh, if you get a chance, some of his shows um, are out there on, I believe it's, you can probably get them on Amazon or or Netflix or something, but his demeanor, um, his consistency of demeanor, his curiosity, um, his simplicity, his tempo. These are all words that come to my mind when I when I think of Mr. Rogers. And why are these words so important when uh, working with toddlers and young kids? Well, first of all, his presence. You know, he really speaks to you, to whoever he he's with. He is you know, 110% with you. 
And that makes you feel special. You know, when you have someone who's really listening, um, really present with you. So, so that's one of his, you know, greatest qualities. And he never gets out of control. He's always in control of himself and his reactions. This is key. Kids need to have this type of consistency with their caregiver, guardian, parent. When a child doesn't know what type of parent you're going to be that day, who's going to walk in the door, is my uh, mom or dad um, going to be angry or out of control? And this inconsistency really causes young children to feel um, insecure. And it, and it puts them in this kind of protective uh, brain, the lower part of the brain, where they're always on edge. They're always guessing. Um, they're in like survival mode constantly if if their guardian or or whoever's in their life caring for them is inconsistent or overreacts mr rogers never did that his mood his tempo were very consistent his reactions and his attention to whoever he was speaking to was always there. And this, um, all these qualities and, and what we're talking about here is, is like giving children an emotional blanket. It's this warmth and consistency that make kids feel special, that make kids feel held emotionally, they know they can trust and count on this person because of their consistency and their curiosity and their presence. This is where um, the healthy attachment can happen. And I believe a lot of children attached to Mr. Rogers. They tune into his show and know exactly what was to come. And they knew they were going to have a guide in Mr. Rogers that they could believe in and trust and feel good in his presence. I mean, a lot of his messages um, about feelings and being special, all very important for young children to, to hear this and, and get this to be reinforced in their lives. This also came in the way of his routines. You know, each show, he'd come in, sing the same song, flip his, you know, change his shoes, do the zipper thing, uh, you know, walk over to the table, feed the fish, go into, you know, the land of make-believe. And it was very, it was very routine. It, it didn't change the format, the formula didn't change very much. And, and the themes of emotions, you know, being there to be able to talk to an adult who seems to understand or is at least curious about feelings. 
and giving kids a chance to express their feelings. You know, it, it's, it's very difficult if we tell our children, ah, it, you'll be okay. You'll be okay. Don't worry about it. Just brush it off. Because they may be experiencing some sort of feeling. They have no idea what's going on. And if you get a chance to, like Mr. Rogers did, sit down with a child and, and talk to him about it without judging, just, you know, being curious about what they're feeling and what, what they think this might mean is really beneficial for their, for their growth and their emotional intelligence. And that's what Mr. Rogers did. He allowed kids to do that. Uh, if we ignore kids and their feelings, I, I, th I think we know that those feelings just, you know, build up inside and they have nowhere to go until they explode. But Mr. Rogers knew this. Uh, he knew the importance of making kids feel special, uh, helping kids feel heard, being there for them consistently. Moving at a, a great speed, you know, he, he didn't walk around too fast. He didn't jump around all, all anxious and, and worried that he might not, you know, finish something. He, he took his time. And boy, oh boy, our, our kids need models to show them that they can take their time. Um, the speed of life has really picked up, really picked up it. I mean, Mr. Mr. Rogers was, he believed television could be just this wonderful educational tool. And he couldn't believe some of the other shows that they were pumping out to kids. And if you watch some shows now, there are, there are some good ones out there, but most of them, 90% of them move very fast. They're very st stimulating, usually overstimulating for our kids. And they're they're very realistic. Um, I kind of want to approach this topic too because when Mister Rogers go to the land of make believe, it was just puppets, you know, very basic set. But it allowed kids to use their imagination to fill in the gaps. They believe those puppets, Daniel Tiger and the King and the Owl. Um, you could really in this land of make-believe use the imagination that you had as a child to really kind of go there, fill in, fill in the blanks, make it real for yourself. And it was just these hand puppets and his, uh, Mr. Rogers did all the voices for all these different puppets. Nowadays, uh, even with my daughter, a lot of these shows look very like either really realistic or even the, the animation is so colorful and and fast and 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 shiny that the ima imagination doesn't have to work that hard you know it's just kind of given to these kids what to what to see what to believe there's there's no gaps to fill there's no no space for a child's imagination to to do some work and i see this with my daughter um but she really enjoyed the land of make-believe. I did too as a kid when the trolley would go back there and it was always a, it's always a cool little trip to the land of make-believe. Uh, so I, I see that as well, that the imagination in our young people and young kids uh, needs to be uh, nourished. Um, a, a lot of stuff, even video games, 
you know, the internet and all this stuff is very realistic. Yeah. Doesn't give them a chance uh, to play. Um, when I was a kid, I used to play with my Star Wars figures, you know, back and forth and create little stories and, and things like that. I had to really engage my imagination to do that. Um, so I encourage my daughter too to kind of play with her figures and create stories as well. I, I think it's a good exercise for kids to tap into that. So getting back to some of the emotional blankets that Mr. Rogers was a master at, even for the adults, he was able to uh, speak to them in, in a way that was just so kind and compassionate to, um, he spoke in front of Congress once, um, he spoke a lot, he, he would kind of teach parents and help parents when a, a war was happening, kind of how to talk to children developmentally. Um, he really had that ability to be warm, present, and consistent. And that's what we we need for our kids. Even sometimes, I mean, he was on a television show. I found in my own work, I don't, I don't talk much. Sometimes, when I have a child come into my office and they're in a heated emotional state, sometimes we sit there for quite some time before the child uh, begins to speak. And even then, I, I, I listen. I might ask a question here or there, but really I'm, I'm there to listen as they kind of describe what's happening, describe the feeling after they've, you know, calmed down and regulated themselves a bit, then the words start to flow. And it's just this act of sitting with somebody else as they explain what they're feeling. And it's, it can be just that, that simple, that holding that helps the child kind of process through what is happening. I see this in my young daughter too, when she'll have a feeling and not really, she's not really quite sure like what's going on. Like, why am I feeling this certain way? Why is my, you know, body reacting in this way when something happens? And usually I, I take that opportunity to just talk to her about it and ask her questions and have her kind of explain what's going on or what she's feeling. And, and then we, we go from there. So these are some great takeaways from Mr. Rogers. You know, I, and I don't, I'm, I'm sure Mr. Rogers had times where he was very angry or reactive, but there's really no need to do that in front of our kids. I mean, if it happens, it happens, and, and that's okay. I mean, we're not talking about being perfect here by any means. But if you can kind of save some of that, that overreaction and some of those really strong um, emotional you know, responses to your kids... If you could save those for the, you know, backstage or in your bedroom, you can feel all you want. But for your for your child, what you're wanting to model is what Mr. Rogers modeled. 
And that's that you're in control. You're the adult. And you're going to be present with your kid no matter what may be happening. All right, Nora. Hello. How are you? I'm good. Oh, that's great. Uh, Nora, how old are you? I'm six years old. Okay. And what do you like to do? Um, I like to play and I like to ride my bike. Mm-hmm. Very good. Do you remember watching Mr. Rogers when you were young? Yeah, I do. Young kid? It was yeah. really good. What'd you like about it? I liked, like, all the puppets, mm-hmm. like, lived in different, like, areas. And I also liked how sometimes the puppets, like, popped out of their little areas. It was really cute. Mm-hmm. What'd you think of Mr. Rogers? Yeah, he was pretty good. What'd you like about him? I liked how he was really pleasant. Uh-huh. And I like how he was a little bit funny. Yeah. And I really like the other actors, too, because they were doing really good in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very good. So, let me ask you. You're my daughter, right? Yes. Yeah, you're my daughter. Um, How do you know that I, I love you and care about you? Um, well... <laughs> think about it. Let me think. What is it... That we're like a part of the same family and group Mm -hmm. and you made me. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Very good. And what do you like about being a part of our family? I like being a part of our family because, well, like it's really fun Mm -hmm. and like being a part of a family is really important. If you're not a part of a family, well, then like you're just really lonely and I wouldn't like that. Yeah, I wouldn't like that either. Um, you know, you and I, we talk a lot about emotions. Yeah, emotions. We even play this game where, like, you say mad and then I have a mad face. Yeah, we do yeah. the different emotional faces. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Um, can you explain to me what what emotions feel comfortable, feel good, make your body feel good? Happy, mm-hmm. excited, Um relaxed yeah really relaxed Mm -hmm. mindful mindful i like Mm -hmm. being mindful and what okay what emotions are kind of like make you feel a little bit scared Mm -hmm. mad like sad like disappointed can be a little bit weird too yeah do you remember the one time i i forget what i said you know sometimes i can set down some boundaries for you and kind of tell you no at times. And mm-hmm. do you remember the one time you were very frustrated with me and you went to your room and you, man, you let out a lot of Yeah, stuff. I was really mad. Uh-huh. Uh, I was like crying till I was in death. It was- oh, yo, crying <laughs> a lot. You said some pretty, you know, strong words too. Uh-huh. Yeah, you were pretty upset. I was super upset. I don't even remember that time, but I'm just like saying words. So what did that feel like to go to your room and to just cry it out? It's like, mm, it felt a little bit good to just mm-hmm. like get all of it out. Mm-hmm. Um, because like once you get all of it out, you're all good and you're okay. Mm-hmm. After you get like all of it out. And yeah. And like 
that's like my favorite thing about like being sad. You just go into it and just cry, do whatever you want. If you don't want to do it, just do it. Mm-hmm. It'll make you feel better at the end. Oh, that's what I know. Yeah. So when you're feeling a certain way, you just kind of go into it. You, you yeah. feel it. Yeah. When I feel it, I just like go in, feel it. And then once I'm done, I'll feel really better. Mm-hmm. That's what I like about like being sad. You could just like go through it and be sad. Yeah. Very good. Um, Now, I know most kids, yeah. you know, they kind of don't like when the adults tell them no. Yeah. Like. I don't like being treated different ways. Like, mm. and when they tell them what to do, I don't like when people tell me what to do. Like, say, go to your room, and then I just don't want to go to my room. And then they tell me to get into the car, mm. and then I really don't want to get into the car. Yeah, I understand that. I I didn't like that as a kid mm-hmm. either. But how do you know when I'm or your mother really t- kind of tells you no? How do you know? That we're saying that for, for the, you know, for your, your better interests. Like, how do you know that we care about you when we, even when we say no? Cause like, you still love me. Mm-hmm. You still love me. Cause like, we're a part of the same family mm-hmm. and we have a heart inside of us, the heart. Mm-hmm. It makes us feel really good inside. And like Mm -hmm. sometimes when you're feeling lovable, you're like nice and warm and cozy inside. Ah. I like that. Yeah, we do. We do cuddle a lot, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. It's like so much. It's like an explosion (laughs) of cuddling. (laughs) And how does that, how does that feel? The actual, you know, physical when we hold each other. Mm -hmm. How does that feel? (laughs) Hot. (laughs) Hot, really hot. Great answer. Great answer. I love your honesty. Um, So, do you have any questions for me? Um, How do you know that me and mom love you? Oh, that is a a great question to turn it back on me. Mm -hmm. Well, I know because when I'm feeling sad, you still love me. Yeah. When I'm angry, you still love me. I'm fine with that. And when I'm happy, you still love You kind of love me no matter what. What happens. Yeah. And you're, al- you're always by my side. No matter what. Mm-hmm. So that's how I know mommy and you love me. Because you stay with me no matter what. And love me no matter what. And you love me just the way I am. And I love you just the way you are. Yeah, me too. Well, thanks for coming on the show today. Uh Uh-huh. This has been a great interview. Uh Are are you ready to sing a song together? Yeah. Okay, let's do it. Daddy, what if the sun stopped shining? What would happen then? If the sun stopped shining, you'd be so surprised. 
you'd stare at the heavens with wide open eyes, and the wind would carry your light to the skies, and the sun would start shining again. Daddy, what if the wind stopped blowing? What would happen then? If the wind stopped blowing, then the land would be dry, and your boat wouldn't sail, and your kite wouldn't fly, and the grass would see your troubles, and she'd tell the wind, and the wind would start blowing again. Daddy, what if the grass stopped growing? What would happen then? If the grass stopped growing, why you'd probably cry, and the ground would be watered by the tears from your eyes, and like your love for me, the grass would grow so high, and the grass would start growing again. Daddy, what if I stopped loving you? What would happen then? Well. If you stop loving me, then the grass would stop growing, the sun would stop shining, and the wind would stop blowing. So you see, if you want to keep this old world a going, you better, better start loving me again, again. You better start loving me again. I love you, Nora. I love you, Daddy. So a question I got from a parent again, she was actually describing a moment where her child was playing with three other kids and they were excluding her child and it really hurt her. (laughs) It really bugged her and she, she started feeling um, bad for her, for her kid and, and pretty natural reaction. I've had this happen to me, you know, with my daughter, something's happening or I, I see her, you know, truly frightened or scared. I, I, I get nervous for her, you know, and our natural reaction is to protect. We don't want our kids to feel bad. Um, but this parent came to me and was kind of describing this moment. And then she cried in front of her her kid like I'm really sad for you and I'm sorry you were excluded by those three other kids I know you wanted to play with them you were being kind but those kids really weren't being nice and I can see that your feelings are hurt and the parents feelings were hurt too and she was asking like what what should I have you know done in this situation what what options did I have now, first of all, we got to be easy on ourselves a little bit as parents. Uh, this parent that I'm referring to, uh, she's wonderful. You know, she really prioritizes being a parent. This parent really understands discipline, boundaries, and and blankets. And this was a moment where, you know, her emotions took over. 
And I explained to her that that's pretty natural. And, and she, you know, talked to her child about it and was very honest about what she was feeling. Again, uh, great lessons for that kid to talk about that and how she was feeling. But um, awareness can help in these moments when these <laughs> emotions kind of bubble up inside of us. When we feel it kind of rise, um, if we can catch that feeling, like I'm sure Mr. Rogers probably felt things many times, but was able to kind of catch it in his awareness as we can kind of do as people and, and kind of watch it and, and subdue it so we can be there with our child and what they're going, what they're going through. Now, this is a lot easier said than done. So don't think you're going to get this right the first time, second time, third time, fourth time, fifth time, and on and on. It takes practice to really become aware of our own feelings and our own emotional intelligence. And this is practice. This is something you can do as a parent, as an adult, is to get better at being aware of your own feelings how they register in the body and the mind, how those two things relate to one another. And then that can help your own emotional intelligence then can help when you're, when you're parenting and have one of these situations come up where you're like, Oh man, I just want to protect my kid. Cause ultimately our, our children have to um, learn through having these types of, of feelings and, and things, which is very hard for us to allow our kids to feel this way. And I think it happens a lot today where parents want to fix, they want to protect, they don't want their kids to have any sort of uncomfortable feeling. And they put a stop to it like right away. They don't let the child kind of fully go through it fully feel it, maybe talk about it. Uh, they just want to squash it and move on to the next moment. Like, I'll, I'll take care of that. Don't worry about it and move on. And I, and I get it. I get that feeling of wanting your kid not to feel uncomfortable. Yet, that is can create in our kids a lack of emotional intelligence and sort of a learned um, behavior that the parent or the guardian will always step in to correct or fix whatever bad feeling I think I'm having and take away from, from learning You just heard the interview with my my daughter. It, it's not it's not easy. It's a very difficult thing to do. But again, like being present with our kids, you know, we gotta see if we can kind of put that aside and, and our own emotions. Um, and if we if we're always there to fix, or we're always there to protect, and we're always 
wanting our kids to live in this kind of bubble where you'll never feel uncomfortable. Paradoxically, that's when these kids kind of learn helplessness. And they're always looking to their guardians to fix everything for them. And they may never, they may never learn that emotional intelligence and they may never learn that independence that children will eventually need as they grow up. So thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed uh, the interview with Nora and the song that we sang. And go watch some uh, Mr. Rogers. There's some great documentaries about him too that are are fascinating. So get a chance to do that. The uh, next episode, um, we'll be talking about mindfulness. So looking forward to that. But for now, take care.